Well, good morning. My name is Chris Emmons. I'm the Ross Campus Pastor. I want to welcome those of you who are watching online this morning. We are glad you're with us. Now, when I stand here up on this stage, when I'm up here every week or every other week or however long Nathan lets me do this, right, I get to do something that has been passed on from generation to generation. I get to preach a sermon. I get to preach a word from God, something that thousands, hear me, thousands upon thousands of men and women have done for ages. And to be able to participate in this biblical practice is a profound gift from God. Now, my dad was a preacher. I grew up watching him teach and preach to hear those messages from God. I, I have been mentored by preachers. Nathan, actually, who is our lead pastor currently and was at one point the Ross campus pastor, actually, mentored me for years in this area. And this is something I don't take lightly. I work regularly to see what areas I can grow. Where can I get better at what God's given me? Where, how can I look to other people, other preachers, other people who have done this before me? How I can better unpack God's word, how I can read, how I can lean into the Holy Spirit more to, to talk through me. I believe that God gave me this as a spiritual gift. We just had a spiritual gifts workshop a few weeks ago, and it was no surprise to me when we went through that that one of mine was preaching and teaching. I know this is a gift, but I'm also humbled because I get to do something that Jesus did, that Jesus did himself. When we see Jesus start his ministry, when we look at the book of Matthew, we get to see him really start that by preaching a sermon, a sermon we call the Sermon on the Mount. And so I think it's important as a, as a preacher myself that I look at this sermon and realize that if Jesus found it important enough to speak words from his Father, then we need to take notice of those words. They are important things. At the beginning of the sermon, Jesus starts by pointing out a list of attitudes that are lived out that point to a person who will experience the God's kingdom here on earth, because that's what Jesus did. Jesus came to this world to bring the kingdom of heaven with him, to bring it down into our world so that we could experience that now in our current state, and then through his death and resurrection and through believing in him, we could experience that even more fully in the future. And so what we get with these passages in, in, in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, these eight or so passages, is something we call the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes are a list of blessings that we receive from God. It's not a to-do list, guys. This, I just want you to remember this as we go through these. This is not a to-do list. We're not saying that you can work hard at these things, and so as a result, you will receive God's blessings. These things actually describe the heart of a person who is in tune with Jesus' kingdom and who will get the most from it. And so what you'll need to hear is that throughout this is it's about getting your heart right with God, about reaching to God and saying, let me have a heart change so that I can live in these ways, not to try to get the blessing, but simply because God has changed me internally. Now, these are not the blessings that we've probably come to expect as a people because we've been taught that the blessings we might get are things like more money or good health or a happy family or a good marriage or friendships or popularity or basically all of our wants and desires to be fulfilled by God. Instead, these blessings are received actually in the fact that we experience God 
in real and powerful ways. Now, while each beatitude can stand on its own, they aren't merely a collection of unrelated statements. They are all tied together. They are linked in an unbroken chain. Each one builds on the next one. And, and the first several beatitudes that we look at, they deal with the condition of our heart, right? They talk about our heart. The second set of those really pertains to that relationship we have with God. And then the final grouping treats and talks about how we have relationship with other people. And so today we're going to talk about the blessing we receive from verse 6 of Matthew chapter 5. Look at what it says. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Hunger and thirst are powerful feelings, okay? I dare say we've all been hungry, right? I'm hungry a lot, okay? I'm just being fair with you. People are like, hey, you want more food? I'm like, absolutely I do. Right? Like, hunger's a real thing. But have you ever been so hungry that you've had a pain in your stomach? Now, maybe you have, but I dare say that many of us in this room don't know what that feels like really well. See, because in America, we are lucky to have resources available to us. It's not means it's not unheard of. Listen, maybe some of you here have been in that place. You've been under-resourced. You've struggled to have food to eat. You know what that feels like. You know that feeling. Being thirsty is probably something more, we're more likely to understand, right? Because if you go out and run or if you, you work out in the heat, golly, these last few days have been just unbearably hot sometimes, right? If you go out and you're in that heat, you know what it's like to have a thirst for something. Am I right? Right, like you know what being thirsty feels like. You're like, I gotta get it. And there's nothing better than just like a cold drink when you are just hot, Right? The interesting thing, the truth about both of these things that, that Jesus talks about, both of these impulses lead from something that our body must have. We've got to have food. We have to drink water. And if we don't do both of these things, what happens? We die. Without God stepping in and, and, and a miracle happening, we would die without both of these things in our lives. Now, in this verse, Jesus is actually referring to a spiritual hunger. He's referring to a spiritual thirst. He's talking about like this runaway impulse that we have towards righteousness. He uses that phrase, right? He says you've got to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. He's saying, in other words, you've got to have a desire so intense to, that if you don't fulfill it, something in you will die. Now, people are hungry. People are thirsty for lots of things, right? Maybe it's prestige. Maybe that's something you're hungry for. Power, fame. You're hungry for status. You're hungry for recognition. You're hungry for affection, right? We thirst and hunger for these things that the world tells us is important. But we are looking to quench our hunger. We are looking to quench our thirst in the wrong places. Sometimes people are indifferent. It's intriguing. Some people are not hungry at all. They're not thirsty at all, right? They don't desire to do anything, it seems. They definitely do not desire to increase their knowledge of Jesus and abide in his grace. See, if you're hungry and thirsty for God... What does it look like? 
It looks like a few things, right? It looks like you're going to spend more time reading his word. You're going to spend more time worshiping him. You're going to spend more time praying to him. Because that hunger will push you to fill that need, right? When we're hungry for food, what do we do? We eat because, until we're full. And sometimes beyond when we're full. Ask me about a time my kid ate too much and threw up, right? You know, that, you know that impulse, right? You eat so much, you're over full. But we eat until we're filled. That's what, if you're hungry and thirsting for God's righteousness... You're doing something to fulfill that need. You're, 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 you're doing more to get closer to him. And so that fits into our big idea for today, which is this. You're blessed when you hunger for God. When you hunger for God. This hunger and thirst, it represents a desperate, active, spiritual longing of righteousness. And what is righteousness, right? You're like, that's a churchy word, righteousness? What's that mean? It means you want to live a godly life. That's really what it means. Righteousness means, basically, an acceptable life according to God. It means you act like God, you live out that life that God would want you to live out in the way that he would want you to live. There's different ways that the Bible talks about righteousness. It talks, one, about a legal sense of righteousness. There's this justification, right? Justification is that term. It, it basically means like when we speak of like standing before God, do we look righteous? Are we, are we able to live in a way that reflects God's righteousness? How does that look in this world? It also talks about the ways we let our righteousness be lived out and how we advocate for other people. Are we, are we going to those and are we helping those who are less fortunate? These are the ways that the Bible talks about righteousness. So when we hunger for righteousness, listen, it's not about doing more good things. See, the people who are hearing Jesus' sermon on the mount, those, those Jews who were listening to that, they were struggling with this. They were struggling with this very thing. They were being told, hey, listen, here's all these laws you've got to follow. And if you do that well enough, if you hunger and thirst to be the best at following those things, then you will gain righteousness. So they thought after more of that. They followed the rules more closely. They, were, they tried to be better than other people. They tried to look the part as, of a believer. Imagine the pressure because if you don't do those things, you're not righteous. I'm just going to tell you, maybe some of you might still feel that now. You look around and you think, maybe it's about me doing more, about me being better, about me being better than the next person and standing there and comparing myself to me. Listen to me, guys. That's not God's righteousness. That is self-righteousness. The intriguing thing about righteousness, it is, is extremely hard to obtain. Look at this passage in Romans chapter 3. Look at what it says. It's written by a guy named Paul who, who followed Jesus after his death. In Romans 3 verse 19, he starts, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. 
See, these believers, these Israelites had been given a law. God had given them the law. And what they saw and they were told is that law would make me righteous. Oh, that's what I got to do. That will, that will save me. And God's like, no, 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 no. You misunderstood. The law was put there so it could help you understand where, you were, where you're broken. It's a moral guideline, but it does not save you. Paul says it clearly. It was put there to make us conscious of our sin. And so when we read passages like this, we've got very little hope. I'm just being fair with you. Read it clearly. Paul says, no one will be righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. If you're following God's law, if you're just trying to follow the rules to be righteous, you will fail. There's nothing we can do to work for our salvation. All all people are sinners, and Scripture is clear that God will judge the whole world. And, And in God's court, everyone is speechless. We don't have an argument. You can't obey the law well enough. You can't do enough. Because the law was never intended to be our salvation. It was given to God's people so it would reveal to us what was needed. Show us how short we would be of the righteousness of God. But what I love about Paul's letter to the Roman people, what I love about this is he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just end it and go, hey, sorry. He shows us exactly what God looks like, what God's love for us is like. And that we get that gift of righteousness from Jesus. Look at this. Keep going in verse 20 and 21. He says, But now, apart from the law of righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. You see what he's saying here? This is a powerful place to kind of really start from Scripture. Because oftentimes we end on the promises of Jesus, right? Like that's a great place to end. And we're still going to do that today, okay? But today I want you to hear at the beginning as well. Paul said it so well. We have all made mistakes. We've all messed up. We, we have fallen short. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot be righteous enough. We can't follow the rules enough or be better enough. And that's why Jesus came to live with us. He said it was an atonement atonement. He came to take our place. And you may be here today and you're hearing this for the first time. Maybe you've heard it uh, hundreds of times, okay? Regardless, I want you to know that Jesus made a way where we could all be blessed to be filled with the righteousness that he has. His righteousness. His sacrifice paved the way. And if we seek after God and his promises, if we go after that mercy and grace, then we will have a heart change. And that heart change will lead us into a place where we can live this out, where we can live out that righteousness that Jesus gave to us in our lives as well. You're blessed when you hunger for God. I'd love, if you would, if you've got a Bible or a Bible app to turn with me, 
Matthew chapter 5. I read a little bit of it to you earlier, just that quick glance at the Sermon on the Mount. So if you've got a Bible, like I said, pull it out. If you don't have a Bible, listen, that's okay. We put the words up on the screen. We've already been doing that, okay? But I do want you to know, if you want a Bible, we've got them at our hub. We want you to pick one of those up, take it. It's a gift we want to give to you. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to start here, and we're going to move a little bit in this, in this sermon, because I think today we need to do something we need to do every time. We need to learn from Jesus. We need to let Jesus teach us. You good with that? Let's let Jesus teach us today, because we're going to let today's lesson come right from what Jesus taught, from right from the words he sang. I mean, I could write this, but I'm, I'm certain I'm not going to do better than Jesus, Okay. Now, these passages we're starting in, like I mentioned earlier, the Sermon on the Mount, and this is where Jesus shares with people, he's sharing with them lots of different things. Amidst this blessings that he talks about, and that's been the entire crux of our series, but he's also talking about things like murder and divorce and adultery and taking oaths and seeking revenge and loving your neighbor. I mean, he's just going into all these different topics. He is, in essence, pointing out what Jesus is doing is, what does living right in the law, how does that play out? He's talking about that to these Israelites who were there. Because that's what righteousness looks like, right? We said that earlier. Righteousness is living in a way that is approved by God. By having integrity and virtue and purity of life and rightness and correctness of thinking and feeling and acting. This is what the law was given to, to show them what was a correct way to live. Now the Pharisees, right, these were the religious elite of the time. They were probably present for some of this. They were hearing some of this. We gave us the guys that were like reinforcing this to the people. And, and hear me, like we always go, ooh, the Pharisees, uh, ter-. And, and hear me, the Pharisees were misguided. They had some pretty decent intentions though. They were trying to get people into the kingdom. That was their mindset, but they, they had done it the wrong way. They were too focused on living what they called righteous lives. But remember what Paul said, none of us can be righteous. Not even one, he says. But we know that Jesus made a way for us to experience his righteousness, and that righteousness can be a gift. And so we're going to learn from Jesus today, and this sermon is him teaching us about righteousness. It's throughout this sermon, it's crazy. He's teaching about righteousness and how it plays out in our lives. And so let's look at some of this together. We're going to find a few ways that our lives are being filled with righteousness of God and how that's played out. The first is this, listen, righteousness needs to be personal. Righteousness needs to be personal. Look at Matthew 5, verse 20 with me. Jesus says, and right before this, I just want to say, Jesus has, has just told them, listen, I did not come to abolish the law. I did not come to like, make the law no longer necessary. I actually came to fulfill the law, to live the life of the law, to be just what it says, a righteous man. So he's not saying this is gone. These things are still critical. They have importance in our lives. But look at verse 20 with me. He says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees, who often condemn people, they didn't do these things out of goodness or passion. They did them because they were following their traditions to the letter. 
It was about the rules. And the thing is, is that they were also adding to God's law, and they, were, they saw some of their traditions as equal to God's commandments. And so because of this, they often missed out on the mercy and the justice of God. They did a good deed, not because God called them to do it, not because out of, out of great, out of great like, respect for what God had done for them, but because they didn't want to look bad, because they wanted to be better, because they thought that it would make people see it. And so like in the very next part of the first part of chapter 6, Jesus says, chapter 6, verse 1, he says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Jesus is warning us. He's saying, listen, if you do a good deed and you do it publicly so that other people can see you and so that others will, get, will, will come, up by, come up beside you and say, hey, great job, way to do that, you will get no reward in heaven. Now see, listen, the system these people have been taught by the, by the Pharisees is do everything where you can be seen. Make sure people see you. Make sure you're recognized. Be the best. Have a stronger faith than others. Live that out in a public way. The Pharisees were teaching, and maybe even some of you today believe that faith, that, that Christianity is about being better than others. That's reality. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're wrong. It's not what it's about. Remember, none of us are good. Jesus is saying righteousness is not about being seen by other people. It's not about your status in this world. It's not about a comparison of game. It's about a personal relationship that you have with Jesus Christ and his Father. That's what it's about. <clears throat> righteousness is lived out because of that, not because of how we look. And when we live this out, we're not doing it in a way for others to see. We don't go out and tell people either how bad they are. That's not what it's about. We're not going out and saying, you're a terrible person. Look at me. Look how good I am. There's also another thing to note from, past, from verse 6, verse 1. <clears throat> I'm going to read it again because I think you ought to see it. I, I emphasize it a little bit. Look at this. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Don't pro... Now, <clears throat> I, bring, I bring that up because the word practice is important to note. Jesus is saying righteousness needs to be practiced. He's saying you need to practice it. Just don't do it in this way where you're making it about you. That practice of righteousness that he referred to at the beginning of Matthew chapter 6, it's expanded on more as we read the chapter. If you keep reading through chapter 6, you'll find that it's about prayer. It's about generosity. It's about fasting. It's about doing these things that will bring you closer to God. In other times, in other words, every single time we pray, every single time we share, every time we... I'm going to get a drink of water because I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty! <laughs> There's another place you get thirsty when you're getting all worked up. Thank you. Every time you pray, every time you, you are 
You're giving something, right? When you give to someone else, when you share with someone else, every time you tithe, tithing is that 10% that we give to God, the first and the best of what we have. Every time you, you show generosity, we are practicing our righteousness. Now listen, only Jesus makes us righteous. These things do not make you righteous. When we come to faith through Christ, we are right with God, not based upon anything that we've done, but based upon the work that Jesus did on the cross. And the result and the blessing of that righteousness, listen, the blessing of that righteousness that we receive as a result of Jesus' sacrifice makes us want to go out and practice that righteousness on others, right? To do the same thing for them. There's the last thing that I think Jesus is pointing to us about righteousness. Righteousness needs to be a priority. It needs to be a priority in our life. As we continue reading on in Matthew chapter 6, we get down to verse 31. And Jesus reminds us to desire and seek after God's kingdom, right? To go after God and his righteousness. And when we do, Jesus promises that our essential needs will be met. This is something that we need to put, right, at the top of our priority list. Look at verse, it's actually verse 31 here. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you, that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, if you read the, the verses prior to this, Jesus is preaching about this world, right? He says hey, you don't need to let food and drink be your only need. Don't focus on these material goods. And then he starts talking about worrying. Got any worriers in here? I think every one of you ought to put your hands up. I'm just being fair with you. At, at some point, we all worry. You're like, I don't worry. And you get home, you're like, man, I'm worried he thinks I'm not a worrier. And Jesus starts by saying, don't worry about what you will eat or drink. That's intriguing to me because, again, Jesus is talking about hunger and thirst. He's saying, don't get preoccupied with worldly needs and desires. And you're like, hunger and thirst are like, I'm going to die if I don't. But he says it. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not our own righteousness, God's righteousness. That needs to be a priority. Not following rules, not getting more money, not having all the things that we've been told will bring us happiness in this world. You're blessed when you hunger for God. Jesus says that if you do this as your main priority, listen, God will provide. And then God will give you so much more. Because here's the truth, guys. We hunger and we thirst for a lot of things. We hunger for more stuff. We hunger for more money, more friends. And we think, why am I not getting those things? Doesn't God want to pr provide for me? And what I think it means is that when we focus on God's kingdom, when we focus in on his righteousness, then we will find ourselves in a place where the promises of this world don't matter to us anymore. 
And instead, we receive the blessing, right, of being quenched at the desires that God has for our lives. We prioritize what God finds important. And so we're helping him in the way that we treat others. We're emulating back to what Jesus has done for us. We get hungry and thirsty, and, and, and we hunger and thirst for the things of this world. We want to be loved. We want to be seen. We want to, to matter to somebody. We want to have a purpose. And we look around and we say, what will quench this desire? Is it sex? Is it money? Is it friends? What will quench this desire? And what we end up doing is we place all of, our, all of our chips into that basket and we say, okay, that's what will quench me. That's what will give me. This person will do it or that relationship will do it or this job will do it. And what we end up experiencing is, is, is brokenness because we've, put our, we, we've relied on the wrong thing to quench our thirst. We've gone into the desert and we've picked up a handful of sand and said, this will quench me. And all it does is dry us out even more. And what we see in Scripture, what we experience in this life, is that we, we, those things, those things that we think will give us food and water, they just give us sin and death and pain and loneliness and depression. We are starving for a true relationship with our Father in heaven. Because you see, Jesus said he came to feed the hungry. He said it. He said, I am the bread of life. He knew that only through him we could be nourished. He said, I will quench your thirst and that my living waters, the waters you drink from my well, will not leave you wanting more. He came to invite us into his family. He came to come and heal the broken and the addicted and the lost. He didn't bring his kingdom just for the Jews or just for the Gentiles. He came for all of us. He saw us ashamed of our past, feeling naked. He clothed us in his righteousness, it says. He covered our naked, sinful bodies with his blood. He saw us sick and imprisoned. He made a way for us through his death and resurrection to be free. He lived a righteous life. He was the fulfillment of the law. And then he gave it all away so that we could be made new. And when we hunger and thirst for that righteousness, then we will be made full. And only because of Jesus, we can live that faith out in a way where others will be blessed as well. Listen, don't miss that today. If you haven't yet quenched that desire, if you have been looking for all these other things to, to feed your hunger, to quench your thirst the things this world has promised, and you're finding emptiness and darkness, if you haven't looked to Jesus and said, I want what you've got, I want your righteousness, I've been trying to do it my way, trying to follow the rules, and I've been failing, and I want you to come down here when we're singing this song. Come down front. There'll be me and some of the prayer team will be down here. We want to pray with you. Maybe you, you've, you've been thinking about getting baptized. You're ready to take that step of obedience. We're going to do that next week. We had some people who've said, I'm ready to take that step. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're ready to do that. Come down and, and talk to us again if you're ready to do that. 
We want to make a way. We want to give that to you. We want, to, we want God's blessing to be given to you, his righteousness. Come on, be fed. Let your thirst be quenched. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we are hungry. We are thirsty. And Lord, we are hungry and thirsty for you to be in our lives, for your righteousness to be in our lives. We want you, Lord, and only you to fill us up. You sent your son for us, and we, we are so honored to be able to, to call you Father. Thank you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.